0: From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology and the colored shavings. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Dairy Show. I am your host, Katie Schmidt, and we are headed to the West Coast again today to talk with Derek Josie in Tillamook, Oregon. Now you may or may not recognize Derek's name, but you are likely familiar with his platforms on social media as the TDF Honest Farmer. So welcome to the podcast, Derek.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And if we hear some noises throughout the podcast, who is joining you today in Oregon?
1: Reagan. Reagan, say hi.
0: Hi.
1: This is Reagan. She is three and a half years old, and she's the real boss, aren't you?
0: No, I'm the real
1: princess. Yeah, you are a princess.
0: Well, Derek, I have so many questions that I want to ask you, but we're going to start with the basics of having you tell us about the farm at home.
1: Yeah, well, I am fourth generation uh, dairy farmer here in Tillamook, Oregon. Reagan is the fifth, right, Reagan? Yeah. Family farm, obviously. We milk 500 jerseys on a little under 500 acres. We are in the process of building all new facilities from the ground up, so no stress involved there at all. And we have been on this property for 104 years now.
0: How far along in the building process are you today?
1: Uh, we're aiming to milk and start milking end of June in July sometime.
0: And what type of facilities are you building? What's the new plan looking like?
1: Uh, we'll have a 50 stall rotary, uh, Laval rotary, two 500 cow free-stall barns a uh, separator compost facility for bedding stalls, and eventually a visitor center.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. There's a, there's a lot that I want to unpack right there. So let's start with cow numbers. So the building is also coming with an expansion plan. You're going to double your size. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. It's the only way to pay for the building. Right.
0: True. That is important. <laughs> so are you doing internal expansion or are you looking to acquire as you go?
1: I would love to, but I've got a large payment that I'll have to make. So it'll be a little bit of internal, but um, I will be purchasing cows pretty heavily, uh, probably July and August.
0: Right now you're grazing some of the cows. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Uh, right now we graze during the summer. Uh, after this, we will no longer be grazing. We will still have, I technically we will be, we we'll have dry cows out grazing and heifers, but not the main herd
0: in the new barns, what is the feature that you're looking forward to utilizing that maybe you're not currently using right now?
1: A lot of things. Like I'm going to have auto scrapers, which is something we don't have our current facilities. You know, they every other facility is the same way that you build and then you build more right. and then it's just oh, it works, but ah. it's again right. They're, oh, they're functional family farms. Ah. Yeah functional uh we also are designing with the feed alleys on the outsides of the barns instead of on the insides and we did that because here in Tillamook we get a lot of rain so that way we don't have stalls on the edges where you get rain drifting in and things like that it should be able to keep my stalls uh drier which will make cows happier uh there's going to be more cow brushes I have one at the moment, but there's going to be at least four. Nah, D-Laval, <clears throat> we need to talk. Uh, we also are going to have a post dip robot on the rotary. So, uh, monitoring callers, auto-sort gate. I'm going to have so much stuff to relearn, but I'm excited.
0: So, are you the one that's getting to lead the expansion designer is this a collaborative effort between you and and your folks yes no nope,
1: but it's basically all been me spiders. my dad and i are partners spiders. but he turned 70 this year spiders. and i think he felt like i mean he, i asked him his opinion and there's been a couple times where he's oh, no, spiders i know that's a big spider He's, when I ask, he's like, uh, you might want to have something here too. And it's one of those times where you're like, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. Why didn't I think of that? And that, that comes from, you know, he's been dairy farming for, for basically 70 years. So little things.
0: Hey.
1: So, yeah, but it's for the most part, it's been me.
0: So the farm has been in the family for, you said, over 100 years. Are you building this new facility then on the home farm or what are you doing with the existing facilities? How's that working?
1: We're still figuring out what we're going to do with the old facilities because we're actually, it's it's on the same property, but where we're at right now is down in a floodplain and we are building out of the floodplain so that we no longer have to deal with that anymore. That's That's the main reason we're building from scratch just to get out of the floodplain because we flood probably five six times a year
0: wow so maybe we should take a, a step back from the farm what does it look like out in tillamook what is the the dairy sphere look like how what's the climate like out there
1: tillamook is uh a haven for dairy obviously anybody listening to this probably knows about tillamook a lot of small farm family farms still there's. I think 70 of us that are in the co-op but it's a gorgeous area our average temperature in the summer I think is like 76 degrees and during the winter we're lows high 30s but I mean obviously we can dip down below freezing and there's been a few times where we get snow and stuff but as far as a cows concerned Tillamook is pretty ideal plenty of water <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just right on the Oregon coast and it's just green year round.
0: That's amazing. That sounds so much better than the, uh, hundred degree temperature swings we see here more than,
1: (laughs) I mean, it has its own unique challenges with all the water, but it's pretty, it's pretty ideal for cows.
0: So the cows are kind of like the celebrities on your social media platform that, that, that you've built. If somebody isn't familiar with your TDF honest farming brand, can you explain it for for listeners?
1: i you know, it changes constantly. Um, it is basically the day a day in the life of a dairy farmer. It's obviously me. Um, I talk about topics that are in the news. I talk to my cows. um I show how We Farm, it's a little bit of everything. It has morphed into a weekly newsletter that goes out to almost 10,000 people now. Um, over 700,000 followers on Facebook. Uh, all told, I'm getting close to a million on all platforms. Let's see, 2021, I reached 216 million people on Facebook. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's insane.
0: And how long have you been doing this?
1: Started in 2016, November of 2016. Oh, and I also branched out and I wrote a book.
0: (laughs) Yes, we're going to get back to that book because I I just saw it the other day on social media. So we're going to come back to that one. Do you remember what your first post was in November of 2016?
1: ironically when I started I was gonna stay incognito I wasn't wasn't gonna make it about me I was just gonna do posts about dairy farming it didn't take long for people who knew the Tomu area to you know between background pictures and things like that to figure out exactly who was doing it and by that time it was just like whatever I'm gonna just uh my first post I'm sure it had Obviously, I probably did an introductory post about what the page was about. My first viral post was probably in response to, I can't remember his name now, but he runs one of the vegan sites and he did a video about uh, 4-H and FFA being terrorist organizations. And I did a response video and that was probably my first viral video, but probably an introductory post, really cheesy. You have to do them, uh, I do them probably twice a year. Just because when you have as much growth as uh, my page does, uh, within six months, you've got another couple hundred thousand followers. (laughs) It's, It's stupid, insane.
0: Those are wild numbers. So you're on Facebook, Instagram.
1: Twitter and LinkedIn. But LinkedIn is its own beast.
0: How do you find time? For what you're doing on social media while you're also full-time farming and building a barn and raising a young family. Like, how do you make all of those pieces happen?
1: You know, that was that was something I definitely struggled with. Um, in the beginning, I spent way too much time on social media. And we've gotten it to the point where when I'm home, I I I can't say I don't get on, but I am very limited on what I do on social media while i'm at home but i find times like when my feed truck is mixing i'm on there you know replying to people or i'll go in and jump in with our far-off dry cows in the bedpack area and i'll do a video in there with the girls because i mean it's it's a nice barn big and open and the cows are fat and happy and it's just it's kind of my thinking rock if you will is inside that barn but yeah. It is another full-time job and TDF is its own business. It's an LLC. It has its own tax ID. It's it's a full-time job on top of dairy farming. So we definitely had to figure out how much um, time to spend on it because you could be on there all day, every day, trying to respond to people. And uh, like you said, I have young kids and a wife that deserve some attention and so we definitely had to figure out a balance and i'm not saying we have it perfect yet because i'm stubborn and pig-headed and sometimes i just go down a rabbit hole and i'll spend too much time disputing people or something you know so it's a learning curve
0: i'm sure it is i think anyone who uh runs even just like a small business page on any type of social media can at least relate to what you're going through because it is easy to get into stuff. But you're having conversations with literally millions of people. So what types of questions are you getting from from these folks? Is it consumers? Is it farmers? What does your audience look like?
1: My audience is mainly uh, suburban and urban populations i think there's a certain point where you max out on farmers and after that it's <laughs> there's no other farmers to follow you uh you know i get the basic questions like why do you separate cows from calves is it true that there's pus in milk or you know anytime there's an abuse video they send me the video and ask my opinion on it and i'm i'm kind of unique in the fact that if a new bit video comes out I don't try and be the first one. I, I like to let the facts come out before making any judgments. I mean, obviously, if, if there's abuse, uh, say, yeah, there's abuse and that shouldn't have happened. But I'm not going to condemn any farmer until I find out
0: what's really going on. I would say one of the things that I appreciate in what you're doing is this different flavor of advocacy, we'll say that you do. Could you, and you mentioned, you know, talking about tough subjects and tough conversations. How do you go about doing that?
1: That's a different flavor. Yes. Uh, you mean, I just answer the questions and don't beat around the bush. I mean, I talk about what happens to cows at the end of the life. I tell them that they get to see them in the meat case as hamburger. And most people are like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Why would we waste a perfectly good animal and not utilize her after she's dead? I just, I found that if you're not trying to weave a story, then you don't get caught in a lie. So if you just tell people the truth, there's nothing that they can, what are they going to say? No, you're lying. Oh, okay. Then the cows don't go to Beef at the end of their life? why would I lie about that? So um, I just we've all gone to the conferences where we get the little flip notes where it's industry-approved consumer-tested lines, and those always fall flat. They feel fake because they are fake. And I think a lot of people are just ready for honest conversations and a lot of people aren't willing to do that. So it's refreshing when someone online is willing to do that.
0: Did you ever think that that was going to be your role in the industry of being one of those voices?
1: No. I thought I would probably top out, you know, where normal farms end up. I, I think there's, you know, a certain area where a typical advocate ends up somewhere in the twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 people, possibly. I did not expect to see the explosive growth that I did. Um, The only thing I can say that I do differently, other than being honest, is I am very consistent. I post something every day. And so a lot of people, they'll post something and then they just disappear for three weeks off their page, social media is about being social. And so if you're doing that, that's not going to translate into growth on your page.
0: Who should be advocating or how do do we need more people, I'm going to say like you, who have these open honest conversations with large audiences versus, you know, these smaller, we'll say like micro influencers.
1: I think we already see another generation showing up online. Dan, uh, Ohio dairy farmer is definitely-
0: Or Iowa dairy farmer? Taking on the world. Iowa. There we go, yep.
1: Yeah, sorry. Did I say Ohio? Eh, Well, close enough. Somewhere in the Midwest where it's cold. You definitely see that kind of stuff. And he's doing great. So I think there's room for everybody. I mean, there's a lot of people in the world. And so whether you're got a following of 500 dedicated people or or you've got a large following like I do, uh, it takes all of us because somebody with a smaller following is able to have more of the in-depth conversations than I can because on an average day I have Depending on the post, I can have 1,500 comments within an hour, and there's just no way at that point that I can have those conversations. On a busy day, I, I, I can have 150 DMs, direct messages, and I still try and at least have conversations in the DMs if people send me something sometimes they get upset because they're abrupt or i just share the link to the video i've done that answers their question but it's it's a lot of work
0: right i mean you're you're managing a a business a, a communications business that's it's a lot of work are you taking them those questions that you're getting from people and doing videos on those topics or how do you come up with topics for i mean you're posting daily like how do you keep it fresh
1: I uh, definitely, if I have, there's been times where I'll have, wake up to like six or seven DMs of the same people asking a question. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is obviously because it's not, you know, one small group of people somewhere. It's from all over the country. Um, so obviously it's on people's minds. And so I will do a little research, see what they're talking about if I don't already know. And then I will do a video. I mean, a lot of it's right now I could probably talk food inflation every day and people would continue to watch, but that's kind of boring.
0: What is the, the misconception that you get the most frustrated with?
1: This is more of a, it's more of a, than one it's uh, large farms are bad. Small farms are good. That's a horrible misconception. I've been to some extremely large farms that are amazing. And I've been to some small farms that I wonder how they're still in business. So, and so the size of a farm does not matter. And then the other one that, you know, organic or pasture based or whatever, whatever the niche market that somebody believes is the correct way to eat. It's always about the, the, the most frustrating ones are, food choices. And I always answer with, you know, the beautiful thing about our country is whatever your food preference is, there is an option for you.
0: How are you handling the, we'll say sensitive topics or the, the topics that get emotionally driven, like the whole calves leaving moms, veal calves, any of those like, really like the calf things, because I think those are the ones people like latch on to the most.
1: Yeah, so I just, I've videoed me taking the calves away and shown me taking the calf all the way to the calf barn, dipping the navel, showing what we do, walking back over, checking on mama. She's nine times out of 10 standing at the bunk eating. And yet you'll still have people that will argue. No, she's heartbroken. Okay, well, you're just in denial, so whatever. But most people it's pretty uh, blatantly obvious to them when you do something like that and you're like they're like okay i guess yeah they don't really care or with bull calves i've just done videos where i talk about the fact that we breed a lot of our animals our lower end of beef and so we have beef crosses and they are so that we don't have to send calves to veal and even veal is 500 cal- a pound animals it's not like They're a baby, you know, I just spit facts.
0: Activists. How do you handle them?
1: Depends on the activist, actually. Um, A lot of the times I've got, I probably got a good, I don't want to say huge population of vegans that follow my page, but I know of at least a hundred that over the course of the last five, six years, they've messaged and been like, I don't agree with eating meat or dairy. I'm a vegan, but I appreciate the fact that you're showing what dairy is really like. It makes me feel better that these cows are treated humanely, even if I disagree with what you're using them for. Great. Keep watching videos. Enjoy, enjoy your food. The vehement ones where they're just, uh, you know, threatening my wife, threatening my kids. They just, I kick them off the page. I don't need to deal with it. I don't need to deal with that kind of stress. And then there's the ones in between where I will make fun of them, depending on what they say. Um, So it's not one size fits all for these people, because you've got to remember that something like 90% of them within a year are going to be back to eating meat and dairy. So they're going to be coming back into the fold, so you don't want to make it so they can't follow you later when they realize the error of their ways.
0: If there's someone who's listening that wants to start down this path of, I'm going to say honest advocating, because I like that kind of terminology there. What are the, we'll say three things that they should know going into this?
1: There is resources out there, especially if you're dairy, your checkoff, Don Schindler, people like them, your local checkoff, they have resources for you whether that's uh, studies, things of that nature, to back up your claims that dairy is healthy, good for you, all that. That's very important. Just reach out. They'll send you a bunch of links. Good to go there. It is a community. So if you're having issues or you have questions, Dan reached out to me and was asking me all sorts of things about Facebook before he migrated from TikTok over to Facebook. I answered him. I feel like anybody that does what I do online should be open to answer questions for others that want some feedback. And don't be afraid to try something different. Just because what works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You might have a way better way of doing it. And so don't just follow the herd. See, that? that's a cow reference.
0: I see what you did there. Yeah, I caught that. I caught that. I'm glad you pointed it out as well. Let's go back to the education center that you want to build someday at the farm. What does that look like?
1: I'm not sure exact size yet, but big. Um, I plan on having an ice cream counter, a coffee counter. Our facilities right now are being designed with that in mind we're having a viewing area that overlooks the rotary that will be accessible from outside so they don't have to disturb the milkers the cows nothing it's all enclosed the other reason that we're designing the barns they are way they are so that they'll be able to walk out and just walk down one of the, the feed mangers for one of the freestalls so they'll be able to see the cows out in the freestall barn i have to build my wife a house because our house currently will be about 500 yards from the visitor center and she justifiably does not want to have our young daughters that close to that kind of traffic and all the concerns that having that many people around would cause. So got to do that before I build my visitor center.
0: So we're a few years out on the visitor center.
1: I think five years.
0: Faster than I was thinking. Okay
1: yeah you gotta have my facilities dialed in which better not take five years get all the kinks worked out do a few more building projects um and obviously get permitting to do all of it but my farm where we're building is right on the main highway that comes into tillamook and is one of the main arteries from portland to the coast so between that and the fact that the Tilmuk Visitor Center Cheese Factory gets over 2 million visitors a year, I have a funny feeling that I'm going to have a lot of interest in stopping in.
0: It seems logical, right? There's, I mean, there's visitor centers throughout the Midwest, and, and they do well because they're, they're built on those arteries, and they're designed well, and there's some beautiful ones out here if you make it out this way to tour some. I'm curious to know. Like I said, I have a lot of lot of questions and some of them are very just out there. But did you go to school for this? Like, is there any formal training going into this?
1: I went to school and got an education, but not a degree. Does that make sense?
0: I'm following. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Um, no, I don't have any formal training in what I'm going to be undertaking but I am really good at learning and I'm not afraid and this is the key I'm not afraid to admit what I don't know and ask like when I build this visitor center I am going to be talking to the people that run the visitor center for Tillamook and talking with Tillamook and coordinating with them and learning a lot because there's so much that and I'm not afraid to take advice from people that are smarter than me.
0: Yeah. How do you find those people or where do you go for resources?
1: Uh, that's a good question. If it's dairy related, I reach out. Like Off has a lot of resources or your land grant universities, OSU for us uh, has a lot of resources. It does help that I do have a marketing co op, Tillamook, that I happen to know a lot of the upper management from my time being on the board. So I pick their brains occasionally, even though I'm not on the board anymore. I have, it's not every co op that you have the personal cell phone number for the CEO. Um, and every member of Tilmuk at any time can get a hold of our CEO. So,
0: what did the co op think of? you going on this venture of advocacy
1: i think it's a mixed bag i think some of them really enjoy it Uh, a few years ago patrick kreitzer our ceo at our annual meeting said that the internet needs more Derek Josie's and less kim kardashians now i don't know if he still still feels that way but i I think he does though because he did i did get the uh organ Advocate of the Year Award from Oregon AgLink, and he was one of the people on the video. So as far as long as the CEO thinks what I'm doing is all right, I think I'll be okay. But I think marketing sometimes wishes I wasn't quite as honest and upfront, but that's why there's a separation between the two of us. I think we'll, that'll continue to be the case, although they did put my book in the visitor center. So
0: One more question about advocating before we jump into this book. How do you go about sharing your personal story, knowing that people might take that as what the industry is? So balancing that one versus the whole.
1: Yeah, it's hard. The amount of times where I've seen stuff like, I wish the whole industry treated their cows as well as you do. without fail, I just say, uh, they do. I'm not unique. I'm not special. I am every farmer I've ever known cares about their animals and does the best they can for them. Yeah. It's a balancing act. And I, I, I never want to be the face of the industry. And I, anytime somebody says something like that, I, I let them know, no, this is me. This is my farm. I am not a spokesman for the whole industry. I do talk about the industry. But what works for me in Tillamook is not going to work elsewhere. So you you can't take what I'm doing and copy it everywhere else because that's a good way to go out of business as a dairy farmer.
0: That's one of the things that I love about dairy farms is that each one is different and yet they're still successful and they're successful in their own right. So, okay. We're going to talk about the book because we have to talk about the book. It just came out. What's it called? What's it about?
1: Uh, It came out. It actually came out last uh, October or November for National Farmers Day. Yeah, it's the only person that's uh, even... uh, It's gone in a couple of publications. I think it was actually in the furrow for John Deere's uh, Christmas list for books, but... Other than a few select things, it's basically been pushed out by me. It's available on Amazon. It's called An Industry Worth Fighting For. And I dispel, I dispel all the myths and misinformation about dairy farming and a lot about agriculture in the book. I mean, I talk about things like one of the chapters is profit is in a four letter word because one of the things you hear over and over is farmers are just greedy. They just want to make money. And it's just like, so you work for free I don't understand the disconnect there and but yeah it, it was a an adventure writing it uh I worked with a writer and I spent probably 30 hours on the phone back and forth with them and then editing and going over the chapters making sure um it was sounded like me and was in my words and it's I think we're sixty five hundred copies now sold, so not too bad. because I guess if you hit ten thousand copies, they consider that a successful novel.
0: i I wasn't sure what the benchmark was there, so i'm glad I'm glad we know,
1: yeah. And I mean, it is kind of a niche thing. It's been fun. And, like I said, basically the only thing promoting it is me thing only person promoting it is me and my social channels.
0: And the Tillamook Creamery Visitor Center.
1: (laughs) Visitor Center. But it just got in there. It took a while before they okayed having the book in there. And now you're on
0: World Directs was podcast. So book sales are going to skyrocket. Just wait.
1: Skyrocket. Yeah, but see, the thing is, most farmers are going to read it and go, okay, yeah, we know all this. So it's...
0: (laughs) So it's written for consumers. Is that kind of... Okay. Yes.
1: Yeah, I'm not not writing a book to tell farmers how to farm. I'm I'm not that egotistical.
0: So, Derek, is there I I want to end on a an, an active note for listeners. Is there something that a farmer could do today that could help advocate for our industry better or in a, a more positive way?
1: Oh, absolutely. If you don't want to actually do the advocating, find some of your favorites that are doing it already and comment, like, and share their stuff. That is one of the biggest things the algorithms, doesn't matter what social channel, that is one of the biggest things you can do to help. Just comment, like, and share. It gives them a boost in the algorithm, which in turn lets people see it that would otherwise not see it it's really simple and the other thing you can do is stop like stop commenting and stop sharing activist videos because the same is true we are our worst own worst enemy every time an activist video comes out we all dogpile on top of it commenting sharing anger outrage how dare they do this and then boom it goes viral so Start supporting advocates you like and stop supporting the activists that you hate. Simple.
0: We're gonna end this. Derek, I'm gonna give you the chance to share your social handles with our listeners. Where can people find you?
1: You can find actually you can go to tdfhonestfarming.com if you can't remember the rest of them. And it has links to all my socials. But I'm TDF Honest Farming on Instagram, Facebook, you and YouTube. And I am at Derek Josie on Twitter.
0: Perfect. And they can also find your book there, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. An Industry Worth Fighting For on Amazon.
0: There we go. An Industry Worth Fighting For. I, I think that's a great title for a book about advocating. Derek, I have to say thank you so much for taking the time. I'm glad Reagan was able to join us for a little bit of that. And folks, if you have questions about advocating, just hit Derek up on those social media channels. Anytime. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com.